y'all. This is Jamie with This Moment. This is a chance for me to talk about the places where God is revealing who he is to me, and I want to share that with you. So come on in and join me. All right, guys. Well, welcome to the show. I'm so glad that you're joining me today. I want to start with some updates. Uh, the weight loss journey is going okay. I'm down another 0.2 pounds. Um, I'm still struggling to make wise choices when I'm stressed out. I don't know about you, but that can be a really hard time to make good choices. But um, like I listened to in Faith Improvised last week, and I kind of talked about here on this podcast about just continuing to be Christian, to make the choice to be Christian, even when the pressure's on. And I'm trying to remember that that also includes in my choices as for what to eat. Um, because I also need to be Christian in how I take care of my body. Um, so, you know, I'm trying to remember that, that even when the pressure is on and it's easier to just not make a wise choice, it's better to go ahead and make the wise choice. So I would appreciate the prayers on that because it is a hard, hard thing, especially for me right now. Uh, this past week was Valentine's Day. I hope everybody enjoyed loving on somebody. Um, and I know, I know that there's a lot of talk out there among Christians sometimes, but in lots of circles that it's a made up holiday and it's just a racket from the candy and the card company and they just want to get your money. Part of that is true. I would say that, yes, part of that is true. But the truth of Valentine's Day is that it represents a bigger picture of love, um, that, that we should love people. And if you get an opportunity to tell people that you love them, why not take it? So when we're protesting the holiday, sometimes it almost makes it sound like we're protest protesting, loving the people that we love. And that's just not true because we do love them and we want to make sure that they know that it doesn't mean you have to get them chocolates and cards. That stuff is really nice. And it, it might make them feel really loved, but there are lots of other things that we can do to love on people too. Um, we never celebrated Valentine's Day early on in our relationship, my husband and I, because our dating anniversary is either the 16th or the 18th of February. So either to the day that I'm recording this or a couple days difference. Um, but we, we used to celebrate that. It's a debated date in our relationship, neither of us can remember, which is the fun part. So we just kind of took this whole time period and celebrated our relationship. Um, but after we had kids, we kind of celebrated Valentine's Day because we knew that, you know, it, they just kind of merged and we want our girls to know that they're loved. I remember my dad making a card for me when I was in middle school out of graph paper. We were doing conic sections and we, I was having to graph things and I was struggling with it a little bit. And he was a math whiz. And I remember him making a Valentine for me out of graph paper. And it said, um, what conic section is a heart? And it said, it's the one that I love you with. And it was just so sweet and timely for what I was dealing with at school and very special. And it didn't cost him anything. We already had the graph paper because I was doing the homework. So those are the important things is to make sure the people around you know that they are loved. Now, my husband is not going to blast all over social media how much he loves me, mostly because he's not on social media. Um, 
But he does really support me in the things that I need and the things that I'm passionate about. Um, When I got into crocheting and knitting, like he will supply me with all of the yarn and patterns I will ever need. Um, When I decided I wanted to be a writer and I wanted to be a speaker, he supported me going to conferences. He got me a USB typewriter so I can like old school typewriter, but it saves it on the computer. Um, He... If you're hearing this in much better sound today, he supported me by getting this great new mic for me for Valentine's Day so that I can do this podcast, this thing that I love, and this opportunity to share what God is teaching me. So love doesn't always look like telling other people about it. And it doesn't always look like big cards and fluffy bears and balloons and flowers. It can look like those things, but it also looks like quiet moments of support and it looks like little notes that tell you how much you're loved and it looks like hugs when you've had a bad day. It can look like a lot of things and I don't think that we need to get caught up in what it looks like so much as that we are loving people because God created us to love. God is love. So why not celebrate him? Okay. I'm off my soapbox now. Um, Last update is that I'm going to be creating a new podcast series, one that I am super, super excited about. Um, And it's going to be called The Divinity of Disney. I just feel like Disney stories have kind of gotten a bad rap in recent history of being kind of played out or giving us these outdated ideas of what love should look like. But I think inside of each one of these stories, there are glimpses and pictures of who God is, of his character and who he wants us to be. So I want to look at finding God in those stories, mainly because I have two little girls and we spend some time with Disney. But also, I just think it's important for us to constantly be looking for God in all the places because we can find him if we really look for him. The first one I'm going to be doing in this series, I'm going to be deep diving into Encanto. So it'll probably be several podcasts on that because I might be slightly obsessed with it right now. So if you haven't seen it, you might want to see it before you check out that new podcast series because there's probably going to be some spoilers, just FYI. But I really hope that you'll check it out because I'm super, super excited about it. So this week, I want to recommend a book that I've been listening to on audiobook. I've been listening to On Reading Well by Karen Swallow Pryor. Um, I'm listening to it on Hoopla. You guys know I love the Hoopla app. Um, If you check out your local library and they use the Hoopla app or the Libby app, there's lots of audiobooks and movies and music and things that you can listen to. So check that out. It's a great way um, to read a book without having to buy a book, even though it's also really great to support authors and independent bookstores. Um, But this book here is about how to read well and how to read about God in classic literature. Um, Because I think a lot of times we miss that God is evident in all of our stories if we look for him. Um, So this is a great connection. This book connects you to virtues, not only the virtues that we think of as a society, but also biblical virtues, theological virtues. Um, So 
I highly recommend it because it has opened my eyes to a lot of books that I didn't want to read or that I didn't know I should read. Um, Books that I was afraid of or never knew about, like um, The History of Tom Jones. And that book like creates the style of novel that we read today. Uh, A Tale of Two Cities. I always thought that was like a really scary book to try and read. It's got like the longest opening sentence ever. It was the best of times, it was the worst of times. But just listening to her take on it and the virtues that we can find within the story, I really want to read it now. I think I could understand it better. Um, Also, Silence, a book that I never heard of. It's actually a Japanese book and it's been translated into English and it's about a missionary and how the Japanese government basically forced him to become an apostate to the Christian faith, um, but how he was still trying to live in that faith while living in the Japanese culture and wrestling with how do you live in the world but not be of the world and all of those great issues that Christians should be addressing. So books that I just really want to read now, but also it gave me a new perspective on books that I love, that I've already read, but it connected me to God through those books in a way that I hadn't really thought about before. Uh, For example, Huck Finn, um, just the virtue of courage that Huck displays, how he doesn't even really know that he's courageous, but also the courage that Jim shows in trying to free himself and his family, The Great Gatsby. And Um, just so many things that she unravels as she explains these stories and how they show us God's character and how they show us how to be better Christians. So I highly recommend On Reading Well by Karen Swallow Pryor. Um, I just think that it has really opened my eyes at how to read classic literature better. Um, Also, the more we read, the more we expand our mind and our vocabulary, the better we can understand the word when we go to the Bible, um, just because we are better practiced at reading. So I think anytime we get a chance to read and learn how to read better is a great asset as a Christian. So check that book out and remember, check it out on your Hoopla apps, your Libby apps, or buy it from an independent bookseller somewhere. All right, so it is uh, Black History Month, and I'm continuing my series on honoring African Americans in my life who have directly impacted my life and helped to shape the individual that I have become, because I think it's important for us to honor those people who are in our lives and not just celebrities. Celebrities do great things, but a lot of us miss the little things that people do around us because we're too focused on the big picture things of other people. So this week, I want to honor a woman uh, named Elsa Gardner. She is such a beautiful spirit, first of all. Um, I met her when I first started teaching, um, and I became a part of a women's Bible study in my small Southern Virginia town that I was living in at the time. And I became a part of this women's Bible study, and it was multicultural, multi-denominational, multi-generational, and it was so brand new to me to be a part of this Bible study of women who were just in all different walks of life and who had all different life experiences. And I was just kind of blown away by the things that I learned there in that group. And um, my college ministry experience, you know, when I was going through college and I was a part of the ministry there, was not hugely diverse. 
And my own Bible study within that ministry was even more so not diverse. Um, so my experience of having multicultural or multi-ethnic Bible studies just wasn't, it was almost non-existent. Um, so it was a very new experience for me. But to be in Bible study with Elsa was just to see just the face of God in this beautiful way um, because she spoke such truth and her perspective about God and the Bible and church and how those things should operate was different from mine. And it was different from my faith tradition, but it still honored the same Jesus that I loved. So it was very interesting for me to learn how to to look at our differences and see how they pointed to the same Jesus. And this Bible study was so formative for me as a young wife and as a young adult with my first real job. I wish you could see me doing air quotes. Um, I It was my first job. Like I had worked in a greenhouse once um, in college for a summer, part time, half days. So this was my first job. And just dealing with how to be an adult professional and how to be a wife. And I remember we were memorizing James. And in James, there's a verse about we, you know, the poor should boast in their position. And I remember Elsa, she didn't like the translation because she said, we we should only boast in the Lord. And I just, her humility, she is such a beautifully humble yet strong woman. I would never say that I was strong. Like I it's just not something that I would say about myself because I always thought that if you were humble and meek, like that's what you were supposed to be and that that equaled being walked over. But to see Elsa be humble and strong was such an eye-opening experience for me to sit in Bible study with her and hear her talk about Jesus and to hear her talk about the word and how, how she lived that out with such strength. I can remember Elsa praying with me. I was having a particularly hard time and she laid her hands on me. She just put her hands on me. Um, and my own faith tradition did not have a lot of physical touch. You might have a hug here and there, but while you were praying, uh, youth group held hands so that you could squeeze the next person when you didn't want to have to pray. But we didn't like lay our hands on each other to bless each other and to pray over each other. And Elsa did that for me during Bible study one night. And I just, I remember feeling so uplifted by that and feeling so blessed to have been sitting next to her in Bible study that we paired up and she prayed for me. Um, Elsa once gave me a pair of pants <laughs> while we were on a beach trip. Um, she had gone out shopping and she got a pair of pants and she said, I don't think these fit me, but you can have them. And I just, I kept those pants for a very long time, Elsa, if you're listening to this. And I thought of you very often, every time I put them on. Um, but just her generosity of spirit was also such a beautiful thing. Um, I was so blessed to be in Bible study with her. And, and I was, as I was thinking about her and the impact that she had had on me, I was reminded of something I'd heard um, Dr. Derwin Gray talk about recently. Elsa gave me a glimpse of heaven because it says in Revelation that every tongue and tribe and nation will be there praising the Lord. And then 
when Jesus explains to us how to pray, he talks about let it be done on earth as it is in heaven. So he wants us to be unified. He wants us to worship together, to study together, every tribe and tongue and nation. We should be worshiping and studying in multi-ethnic, multi-racial, multicultural environments so that we can see all of these different facets of who God is. And when we divide ourselves and we separate ourselves, we're missing parts of God's character because we're missing brothers and sisters in Christ. So Elsa's strength to be a part of our group where she was different, but we love the same God was beautiful. And I am forever grateful to her for the picture of heaven that she gave me and the encouragement that she gave me. Um, And I just, I hope that sharing this story of knowing Elsa and our experience can encourage us to expand our circles that we can find brothers and sisters with different life experiences so that we can learn more about who God is. Because I will tell you, that is the truth of what happens when we cross racial lines in Bible study, when we cross cultural lines, denominational lines, we're going to learn more about God from each other in those settings. So I just wanted to honor Elsa today. Thank you so much for being a strong African-American woman and sister in Christ and for the encouragement and inspiration that you have given me and the way that you impacted my life. This week for Black History Month, I also want to highlight a show that I've been watching that I really think is helpful for understanding um, African-American history in American culture. Um, so it's actually the wonder years. It's the new remake of it. Um, and it's a coming of age story like the first wonder years was. Um, but this is from the perspective of a young African-American boy in Montgomery, Alabama in the late sixties, a lot of social change going on there and, um, a lot of things to really learn. It was created by Saladin Patterson and it stars Dulé Hill, which I love from Psych. And it's narrated by Don Cheadle, who I also really enjoy. He's in the Iron Man series um, and lots of other really great things. Just that's where I particularly know him from. This is a great show. I highly recommend it. It's a new perspective on that time period for me. Um, it's something that I don't get that perspective from my personal experience. And I don't get that perspective from my family history. So it's neat to get an idea of what life was like for African-Americans in that place and in that time. Um, It's very poignant and engaging. Really makes me consider how different the story was depending on where you were and who you were. Um, History is different depending on your experience. So I think it's important that we look at all of the perspectives to get a really good picture of what the history actually was and not just what we remember and what our family remembers or even what history remembers because sometimes what's in the history book is not always accurate for the feeling and the emotion of the time. I remember watching the 1988 to 93 version of The Wonder Years. I loved Fred Savage. Um, I also was a big fan of Ben Savage and Boy Meets World, but that's like a whole nother podcast outside of this moment. Um, But I feel like watching it, 
I'm getting a better understanding of things that I truly never could know. And that's the whole point of art. And that's what TV is supposed to be. It's supposed to be art as well as entertainment. And and I just, I wanted to recommend the show. I think it's a great look at things that we might not all understand. And the more that we understand different perspectives, the more unified we can be. And I think that is, that should be the goal, especially for Christians, to understand different walks of life so that we can be more unified in Christ. So I highly recommend the new version of The Wonder Years. It's got some great music. It's got some really great perspectives and some great actors and actresses that are bringing a true story with um, a dose of realism and history that is well worth watching. So check that out, The Wonder Years. All right, so let's get into episode 42 today. I want to talk about Matthew chapter 6. So in working through the Gospels, I have made it to Matthew chapter 6. I'm going a little bit slow, but that's okay. So in chapter 5, we just talked about the Beatitudes, and we talked about the laws, the law of murder, the law of oaths, divorce, and how they all get wrapped up in the end of chapter 5 with the law of love. And really, Jesus is saying, even though there are laws about all of these things and what you can and cannot do, I'm telling you that there's more to it than that. It's more about your heart and where your heart is at, God through Jesus is judging our intentions and not our actions. And that carries over into chapter 6. So I'm looking at specifically chapter 6, verses 1 through 24. Um, Because after 24, we get into anxiety and worry. And while I think they are related, I think it deserves its own separate podcast. Because really, anxiety and worry are like two of my constant companions. And... I want to really deep dive into that with you. Um, But looking at the beginning of chapter 6, Jesus starts talking about giving to the poor, charitable giving. And then he talks about prayer. Then he talks about fasting. And finally, he talks about money and storing up money. And the gist of... This part of the chapter is summed up in chapter 6, verse 21, where it says, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So when he's talking about, if we jump back up to the beginning of the chapter, where he's talking about almsgiving or giving to the poor, he says, don't let, don't let your right hand know what your left hand is doing. Other people don't need to know about your charitable giving because then it kind of takes away from your charity because it's no longer about helping that person, but about helping yourself to be seen better in other people's eyes. So if we go back to verse 21, where's our treasure? Because that's where our heart is. So if we are broadcasting that we are giving to the poor, then our treasure is not in doing what's right by God and our heart is not found in Christ and full of the Holy Spirit to give to the poor and to charitably give but our heart would be found in our own selfish pride and in other people thinking well of us it reminds me of a few years ago a company a very large company 
uh, did advertisements, they did commercials on TV about how much they had given to hurricane relief. And I was told, I can't say for how true it is, I don't have the sources, but I was told that um, they actually ended up spending more on the advertisements about their charitable giving than they did actually giving to the hurricane relief that they said they were so involved in. So I think that's just a really obvious big picture version of what some of us are battling on our hearts in the small picture here. Um, Because social media is addictive and it's so easy to just post, oh, I'm going to give to Samaritan's Purse or I'm going, look at all the shoe boxes I made. Like I, I see that at Christmas over and over again. Like look at all of the shoe boxes we made to give. Like that's wonderful. I'm not saying that the shoe boxes shouldn't be made. And I'm not saying that everyone that's done that has their heart in the wrong place. What I am saying is that is a really easy, slippery slide to get on. That we end up being more invested in the likes and the accolades from other people and being valued by other people than we are in actually providing for those people things that they need and things that will be beneficial to them along with the gospel. So I think what Jesus is saying here, again, what Jesus will say over and over again through the gospels, I know, is it's a heart issue. It's not about your actions. It's about your intentions. Um, So then if we move down into prayer, and this is famously where Jesus gives the disciples prayer. We call it the Lord's prayer because he's the one who actually says it. But really, he's giving them an example of how you should pray. Um, and, And Jesus says, don't get into praying on the street corners and broadcasting your prayers in a way that makes other people think so great of you because your prayer should be a conversation with you and God. It's about communing with God. I actually, I have always been kind of gifted with the gift of gab. I've been able to talk well since, oh, that's my dog Missy in the background there jumping around. Um, she likes to be involved in the podcast. Uh, But so even when I was younger, I had the ability to pray well. And when I say pray well, I mean I had nice words and they were put together nicely and people liked to listen to them Um, because I would pray and even at a young age, they would ask me to pray. They would ask me to pray for Bible school or they would ask me to pray for Youth Sunday. And I began to believe that the purpose of my prayers was to sound good, you know, put these combinations of words together in, you know, our Christian language that we have created so that other people think that I am this super holy and righteous person. When the truth of the matter was, I didn't know how to really commune well with God. You know, I was getting my reward here on earth. And that's what Jesus says. If you do that, if you give to the poor in order to broadcast it, if you pray in a way that, you know, you're just looking for other people to say how well you pray, then you're getting your reward. Your heart is in being valued by other people 
and you're getting the reward that you want. So I think a way for us to kind of test and see where our heart is, is to kind of take an inventory of the types of rewards that we see ourselves getting and the types of rewards that we want to get. Um, You know, if we want to hear people say, oh, you pray so well, it's so beautiful, but we have no idea what we've really said to God, then that's a problem. Our heart is in the wrong place and we are receiving our reward here on earth and not with God in heaven. Um, so he also says, and this is something that, um, I heard in the, when I was studying on the Bible project about the Lord's prayer. And we talked in our Bible study recently about when we were talking about prayer, because we're getting ready to start, a Bible study on Sky Jatani's book, What If Jesus Was Serious About Prayer. And I know that I have reviewed it on the show before, but I really do recommend it. It has opened my eyes to so many things, so many ways that we assume prayer works when really it has nothing to do with what the Bible actually says prayer is for. Um, but I digress. In our Bible study, we were talking about the Lord's Prayer and how right before that, Jesus has said, in verse 7, and when you're praying, do not use meaningless repetition. And somehow the Lord's Prayer has become one of those meaningless repetitions for some of us. And just the irony of that, like he says it two verses prior, don't let don't let prayer become this meaningless repetition. And in some places, we just take the Lord's Prayer and we repeat it for... Um, our own sake of repeating it. You know, we're not talking to God. We're just saying it as a part of the motions we go through in church or before we eat or something like that. Um, I love dinner time with my kids because of our blessing. And we do say the same blessing every night, but guys, they're two and five. We try to change it up some, but they're just learning how to say the blessing really. And um, I get... I just, it cracks me up because they're singing it and we have two girls and one is singing like all the words in the right order and the other one's just kind of in the corner, kind of chanting, singing to herself, um, thank you father for our food. Um, and it's just, it's beautiful to listen to. And actually when we have big family meals and my sister and her son are there and he's saying his blessing too, you're getting all of these little voices just talking to God and thanking him and it's beautiful and I love it. And I just, I love how they talk to God in such different ways And that's the kind of thing I want to preserve in them is that as they grow, we talk to God and we talk to God how we talk to other people. And it's not meant to be flowery all the time. You know, sometimes we want to use beautiful words when we talk to people. Um, I know at Valentine's Day, we use these nice, pretty words and we want to say things that are sometimes hard for us to say at other times. Um, But... You know, at other times, we just kind of talk to people. And I think that's the way it should be with God. We just talk to him. And we have to be aware of where our hearts are. I think that's the whole point of what Jesus is saying here and what he has said in the other verses we've looked at is what are your intentions? Not what are your actions? Because You may have some of the most disjointed prayers any person has ever heard, 
But if they're genuine communion with God, it doesn't matter what they sound like. And that's the point I'm trying to make. It doesn't matter what they sound like. We want to be talking to God. That's who we're doing it for. Where's our heart? So that that's where we can find our treasure. Um, And in the next section, he talks about fasting in the exact same way. That when we fast, it's not to be about um, looking somber and being upset that we can't eat. And even making other people feel bad that we can't eat. You know, we want to... um, put on a happy face. We want to make sure we've taken a shower, we've put ourselves together, and we are enjoying the process of fasting to connect with God. Um, We are actually coming into a season of fasting before Easter. The Lenten season is soon. um, I think it starts the first week of March. And I participate in Lent every year. I've talked about it on the podcast before. I started out being very superficial in my fasting. But as the years have progressed, I have wanted to deepen my understanding of sacrifice. And it's not always about giving up something so much as it is adding something. So in the fasting process, we are supposed to be in communion with God and having him teach us things and opening ourselves up to lessons instead of just being so somber that we end up bringing other people down about our fasting. What have we accomplished if that's what we're doing? Um, So, and then we finally get to where Jesus is talking about money, starting in verse 19 through 24. But I don't think it's just about money. I think Jesus is really saying, where is your heart? I've talked about these things that are supposed to represent your heart, giving and prayer and fasting. They're supposed to represent your heart, but really do they? Do they represent your heart or do they represent your your vanity and your pride because you want other people to look at you well? So I think really we have to take a heart inventory. I think that's what this first part of chapter six is saying. Let's take a heart inventory. And the best way to do that is to see where we're seeking treasure. Are we seeking treasure from other people or are we seeking treasure from God? And, and I hope and pray that our answer is from God. But the beauty of this is that Jesus helps us see if it's not, we can search for him anyway. You know, we can come to him and say, my treasure's in the wrong place and I need help. And that is the beauty of being a follower of Jesus is that we don't always get it right. But he always gets it right and we can always go to him. And I am just so thankful for that today. And I'm so thankful for you to be listening to the words that I have to share. I do not take lightly that you are giving your time to listen to the things that God is teaching me. Um, I know your time is valuable and I appreciate you so much. I pray that the things I've shared today have um, expanded your view of God's character helped you learn a little bit more about who he is so that you can introduce him to someone else. I love you guys so much and I can't wait to talk to you again soon.